on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily. Clonine Tipperary is a small village most people may never have heard of. Nestled under the shadow of Schliefnaman, and close to the borders of both Kilkenny and Waterford. Now, the small village has been left reeling after the bodies of a couple, Nicholas and Hilary Smith, were discovered in their rural bungalow. Personally, myself, not only as a councillor, but I'm a local publican, so you think with boat hats, you'd, you'd know nearly everyone in the area. And up to a couple of days ago, I, I'd never had tell of this couple. They, they kind of really did keep to themselves. The local community have now found themselves at the centre of a tragedy. It's, it's look, it's a shock uh, and, and disbelief. Uh, as one local resident said to me last night, you, you often see these things in the news. You, you, the last thing you expect is to be reporting from your own village. So um, it's just a very much a feeling of, of shock and sadness in the area today. But as Gardy pieced together the jigsaw of evidence, we are slowly posed with more questions to be answered. Another strand of the investigation then is an examination of the house, medication, to see what levels of medication they were on. COVID could come into play as well, but also a physical analysis of the house and the heating structure, the electrical appliances, the gas appliances, the fireplace. All of those factors will have to be pulled together. I'm Denise Callanan, and today on the Indo Daily, I speak to Irish independent journalist Conor Fian who has been covering the story from South Tipperary. Connor, can you bring us through exactly what has happened in Tipperary in recent times and where did this all begin? This unfortunate tragedy uh, happened in, in a small townland called Rossane in Clonine, um, which is down in Tipperary, in, in, in the border almost with Kilkenny and Waterford, in, in that small little pocket of, uh, of Tipperary. And what happened was... A neighbour became concerned about their next door neighbour because they had not been seen in a long time. And it was understood that they had gone away, but suspicions became aroused and this man decided that maybe it might be best to have the house looked at. And he called uh, a local councillor, Mark Fitzgerald, um, a local Fine Gael councillor, to, to seek advice on what maybe they should do. A resident had noted concerns to me um, and I, I just asked for a welfare check, so 
uh, the Gardaí conducted a welfare check and that's I suppose when they found the scene they did uh, and unfortunately you know, we were in the situation we're in. And uh, Councillor Fitzgerald thought that maybe the best thing to do would be to contact Gardaí and do a fairly simple welfare check on the property. Now the property has been lying idle for a long time but it was the belief of all the people in the locality that the elderly couple who lived in it had actually moved away and out of the country and that there was nobody in the house. There was no outward signs that there was anybody in the house and the couple that lived in it, Nicholas and Hilary Smith, Nicholas was in his early 80s and Hilary was in her late 70s, they were very, very private people. So when the welfare check was carried out on Monday at four o'clock, Gardaí found that Nicholas and Hilary were actually dead inside the house. And by all accounts, it seems that they had been there for a very long time. And since then, it is now their belief that they've possibly been there since late 2020s, November, December uh, 2020. The town is now dealing with the fact that the couple were there for so long and, and not found. But all outward signs were that they had gone from the area. In fact, they had um, posted a letter into a neighbour's house sometime before they went missing, saying they were moving and that the house was being sold and that they were going to France. So everyone just believed they were gone. So to, to take a step back, Connor, before we go into the individual parts of this story, you've been to Clonine yourself. And can you describe what this area is like? What's the town like? Are there many people living there? And how far apart are these houses located from one another? Yeah, Clonine is a is a small village um, and you wouldn't really pass it in, unless you were going um, out of your way through through Tipperary. It's not only on any main road, so to speak. Um, and it is a small village of a, a pub and a church and, and a shop and, and not much else. And the people there, quiet and respectful in and out of the local post office and shop. And the road where Nicholas and Hillary lived is actually outside the town of Clonine, about three kilometres outside the, the, the town on the, on the road to Mullinahone. So if you can imagine a small country road, a winding road that goes from village to village, and the road that they lived on is another road off this, an even narrower country road, which really only is there to serve the houses that are on it. And they're another couple of kilometres down that. So we're talking about a very, very rural area. Um, and we're talking about bungalows stretched across the, the land, um, detached from each other. Some of them built close enough together to be in, within walking distance. And certainly Nicholas and Hillary's house did have two neighbouring houses, but um, neighbouring in a rural sense, not in what we would understand in, a, in, a, in an urban sense. So, you know, you have hedges growing up around houses and basically all you can see is what you can see from the road and um, people just living their own lives and respecting each other's privacy and in just getting on in, in a very, very rural, quiet setting. Connor, what do we know about the couple themselves, Nicholas and Hilary Smith? Have we found out much about them? What seems to have been found out so far is that Nicholas and Hilary were originally from the UK and they had moved to the area uh, in Clonine around 11 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago. They were private people and it is thought that Nicholas may have worked 
in the cruise ship industry uh, during his working life before he retired. Uh, it was said that he was a captain of a, of a cruise ship. Um, we don't know much about Hillary, except that she did have some health issues. In fact, both of them being, being elderly w- would have some health issues that they were taking medication for. It's thought that they might have spent some time in France and Australia and New Zealand, um, but not much else really uh, has, has come to light since because they were such private people. Personally, myself, not only as a councillor, but I'm, I'm a local publican, so you think with boat hats, you'd, you'd know nearly everyone in the area. And up to a couple of days ago, I, I'd never had tell, 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 tell of this couple. They, they kind of really did keep to themselves. And um, someone, you know, you have to kind of respect that as well. People want to be left alone in privacy. And, and that's kind of the general feeling that they, they kept to themselves and didn't really mix or mingle with, with, the, with the wider community. You know, they were friendly in the sense that neighbours would say that when they encountered them, when they came across them, when they passed them, they, they would wave and they would acknowledge each other. And they were, they seemed to be of a, of a, of a, a polite disposition, but very, very private. Did they have a connection with the area, Connor, or any sort of reason to move to Tipperary or that particular area? They don't seem to have, and this is part of the reason why possibly that they were just not discovered for for the length of time that they have been there because they had no relatives in the village. They had no sons, daughters that anybody is aware of, no nieces or nephews. And because there was no connection with the area, in a sense, they were... They were not being looked in upon in a social sense by uh, relatives or nieces or nephews or, or anything like that. It just seems that they were an elderly couple with no family ties, living alone in a very kind of an almost secretive way, certainly a very private way, so that when they did die, unfortunately, there was nobody close to them that would ordinarily be checking them up on them in, in a general sense. And it would have been unusual for them to have had regular conversations with locals as well, Connor. Can you tell us a little bit about the community's interaction with the couple? Yeah, I mean, like one neighbour only met them around four or five times in the space of the 10 or 11 years that they were there. And it seems they would drive into into the local towns like Carrick and Shore to do their shopping. But interactions locally were, were basically... If they encountered somebody along the road, they might give them a wave or a nod. Conversations seem to have been few and far between and not much information given uh, in those conversations. There was one lady, it seems locally, who they had some more connection with than others. And it has since transpired that before Nicholas and Hillary were last seen, they had posted a letter to her house saying that they were going away, that they were going to France and that another couple in the UK who they knew were going to be buying the house, but that wasn't going to be any time soon. So when they weren't seen for a period of time, there was no real suspicion that anything might have happened because they were expected to be gone, to be going away. And we have to remember as well that this was all in the height of the the COVID era when everybody had to be isolated from each other and we were all discouraged from social contact. And it just seems to have been a perfect storm of circumstances that emerged to create a situation where Nicholas and Hillary died in their home. And because it was believed they weren't living there anymore, and because social interaction was discouraged, it just created a situation where they weren't discovered. Until a neighbour who had a view of the house 
cut a hedge between their properties. And when he cut the hedge, he realised that the car that Nicholas drove was still parked at the back of the property. And that just got him thinking. If they're gone, why is the car still there? And why haven't we seen anybody at the house for so long? I think two aspects of this story, Connor, that have emerged in recent days that people are now asking more questions about. One is the letter that you mentioned that was sent to a neighbour. And another is the car. But why is the car raising questions now? The car is kind of important because it was almost hidden. It was parked so carefully at the back of the house that you would not be able to see it from the front. And it wasn't just kind of casually driven in in a natural arc where somebody would then get out of it and go into the house. There was an effort made to park the car close to the house, uh, hidden from the road. Now, that might have been Nicholas's way of parking the car. Nobody really knows, but certainly it seemed to be tucked away out of view. And also with the, the letter that was sent or delivered to, a, to the, the neighbour in relation to the, the information that they were going to France and somebody else would be buying the house, I think it raises questions then as to if other people were due to buy the house, surely they would have followed up or queried why the transaction wasn't occurring or was there a delay or did the deal fall through? I think as the story unravels, and pieces of information come to light, they seem to ask more questions than the answer at this point in time. And it's going to take quite a long time, I think, to figure out what happened. They know, the Gardaí know from the food that was left in the house that the best before dates kind of correspond with the time that they were last seen in, uh, in late 2020. And, you know, there will be tests done to see if there was possibly carbon monoxide poisoning. But I've been told that the boiler, the central heating boiler for the property is in a shed at the back of the house. So unless they had a, a fire burning in a grate, possibly that might have caused carbon monoxide if the chimney was blocked. So all that would be investigated. Also, the fact that um, Nicholas Smith was found in a bedroom, whereas Hillary was found further up a corridor in the bungalow in, in, a, in another room will need to be investigated too because it will need to be established if the couple died at the same time in some sort of an incident or some days apart. And, you know, one would naturally wonder if, if one died first and the other was still alive, could they raise the alarm? As time goes on in the immediate future, I think there'll be more questions than there will be answers. Connor, there's also questions about how a house lay idle for 18 months, but you do know a little bit about the maintenance of the house and the property. Yeah, the, the house is very well kept. I've often seen in situations um, all over the country where, you know, people who are living alone uh, and they can't take care of a property. And, you, you know, you might see the, the curtains hanging at, at, you know, net curtains hanging off their wires and, and holes in curtains and things. But this was a very, very well kept house. Now, the blinds were down and the, and the curtains curtains were pulled. But, you know, anybody would do that at night time anyway. And, you know, the, the condition of the property is good. And it was only in recent times that it started to become overgrown because Nicholas had an arrangement with a local, uh, a local tradesman or a local gardener to keep the grass cut. And he had paid him in advance uh, to, to maintain the gardens in front of the house. So it's really only in the very recent past that it has become obvious that 
there's been nobody in the house because to an outsider passing by until recently, the lawn was cut and the house was in good condition. So suspicions wouldn't really be raised. It's always a shock for a small community like this, Connor, to experience the sensation of the media descending on them in the midst of a tragedy. Do do people locally feel that some blame is being put at their feet for this? Like you have, you have local residents there who who are good neighbours and good hardworking people, and all of a sudden they've been portrayed in a bad light, uh, whereas in fact they were they were under the delusion that the people weren't even there. So I think that needs to be put out there like that. Don't jump off and go off on a rant and rave about people that you know nothing about. I think initially they they did, especially through social media. Like when when we were down there looking at this story for the Irish Independent, we we you know we we did sense when 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 I arrived first anyway, I felt that people were being cautious about how they were how they might answer questions or queries and they might have wondered possibly how is this going to be reported because when we arrived down it was literally after this social media i wouldn't say frenzy but certainly an awful lot of traffic on social media um which was critical of the people of Clonine and, and that particular area of Tipperary and as as they said themselves and as councillor mark Fitzgerald said you know it's easy for somebody to sit at a computer and pass judgment, but when they don't know the layout of an area, when they don't know the people that are involved, um, when they don't know that the couple themselves were extremely private and had indicated and told people they were emigrating and going away, I think initially they felt defensive about themselves as a community, but I think as time has passed, they have realised that um, the, the wider picture is becoming clearer. Connor, what happens next? The Gardaí obviously have a complex investigation on their hands. Yeah, there's there's kind of two strands to the investigation now, and and the post mortem, I suppose, is is vital um, in 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 the sense that obviously an examination of their bodies to try and find out what happened and when they died. Now, obviously, with the passage of time, post mortems become more difficult, and because Nicholas and Hillary had been in the house for so long. Um, whoever is carrying out those examinations, you know, it's it's a sensitive issue, but they, they have less material to, to deal with. But certainly initial indications are that there's no sign of any trauma to the bodies that might indicate foul play. So from then on, you are kind of relying on toxicology tests um, on whatever material might be left that might give some indication of what might have happened. Another strand of the investigation then is an examination of the house, uh, medication, to see what levels of medication they were on, what types of medication they were on. Uh, COVID could come into play as well and to see if it's possible that COVID might have been responsible for their deaths, but also a physical analysis of the house and the heating structure, the electrical appliances, the gas appliances, the fireplace, all of those factors will have to be pulled together. And as well as that, I think one very difficult line of investigation is going to be trying to find family or somebody who who knows them. And that will involve, obviously, UK authorities. And, and these are all things that are going to take time. Conor Fian, Senior Journalist with the Irish Independent, thank you very much for joining us today. And remember, you can find out more information on this case as it develops on independent.ie and in the Irish Independent. I'm Denise Calnan, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Garrett Mulhall, 
Research by Tabitha Monaghan and sound design by John Smith. Clips were from independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.